loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And uh, I know you already, you have your angel stories probably. Janine has one. Uh, I'd like to hear it. If you have one, I'd like to, uh, I, I enjoy angel stories. But anyway, uh, we see the angel's directive, secondly. What was their directive? He says in Go stand in the temple and speak. That's in verse 20. Go stand in the temple and speak. Now, wait a minute. Angel, you just got us out of prison. You saved our lives. And now you want us to go back? Come on now. Uh, You've got to be kidding. You know, I would have probably said, say what? Go where? Uh... Yeah, go back, go back, and stand and speak. You know, that's probably the last place the apostles wanted to go. But they obeyed. This kind of reminds us of Peter to Christ when he says, go and speak the words of life. And remember what Jesus said, from this time any of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him because Jesus tells them what it takes to do that and they weren't willing to follow. And then he says to his disciples, do you want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so this angel says, you go and you give the words of life. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be giving people the words of life. Christ, uh, uh, who is life eternal. To know him aright is life eternal. Uh, The angel is saying, go stand. In other words, preach with authority. As Barbara was saying, we need to stand. We need to take a stand. For the truth. And do so in a position of authority with boldness. And we need to proclaim the full message. The full message of the gospel. The words of truth. The words of eternal life. That you could have life in Christ. By trusting him. Because he is eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The scripture says, no man comes unto the Father but by him. Trust him. Look to him. Then the third thing is they were committed to preaching. This is verses 21 through 25. Go speak. No debate. No discussion. Just do it. Two things uh, were happening, though, while the apostles returned uh, to speak in the temple. Uh, the Sanhedrin uh, were meeting and uh, they go, send a messenger that goes out to the prison to bring them back and they come back and say there's no one there. Uh, Can you imagine what must have been going through their mind? What do you mean there's no one there? It's empty. It's empty. I mean that would have just 
probably been enough to say, okay, who let them out? How did they get out? And so all these questions, I'm sure, were going through their, their minds. Uh, you know, maybe they even thought, maybe there is something to this message. And we find later on we'll see Gamaliel, how he spoke up and said, look, if this is from men, it's not going to amount to anything. But it's from God, you better watch out. And so God was already starting to deal with some of these men. And so, in the final analysis, it was not a lack of evidence. It was not a lack of evidence that they did not believe. What was it? The sin of jealousy made them reject the truth. In other words, you know, don't confuse me with the facts. You know, my mind is made up. It's like those that believe in evolution. Don't confuse me with the facts. You can tell them uh, all the facts that back up a six-day creation. It's, It's there for them to see. And yet they'll say, okay, I see all that, but evolution is still true. Why? Because of their pride, they're scientists, they have spent all of these years studying, and, and that's what they learned, that's what they believe, and so don't confuse me with the facts. Here come these upstarts. They are willfully ignorant. They are willfully willfully ignorant in uh, Romans 1.18 the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness they suppress the truth by their wickedness even though they were given much evidence It was not a lack of evidence. Now I just want to make some quick applications here. I think that we can, we've talked about these, touched on these already. Sinful jealousy is a dangerous reality within and from without the church. They were jealous of Jesus because it was in his name. They were preaching in his name. Their names were not being proclaimed. They wanted the people to follow them, to look up to them, to praise them. Can we have jealousy in the church? You better believe we can. I was saying this morning in Sunday school, and this goes along with what we said in Sunday school, as a a preacher, you can be jealous over another preacher who is so greatly gifted, has a great big church. Wow. You can be jealous even as a pastor of what God is doing with others or you can rejoice with what God is doing in the life of other people and through other people. You see, rejoice with those that rejoice. It's so easy, isn't it, to have jealousy sneak in. And you might say, well, I'm not jealous. 
Oh, really? Well, let's look at some things here. Have you ever thought, you know, they're well, they're healthy, and I'm sick. Why have they been healed and I haven't? Why do they get invited to an event when I'm not invited? When someone is uh, recognized for doing good, you know, I deserved accolades too. I should have had a pat on the back for all that I did. Boy, they sure were blessed financially, but you know what? I needed a lot more than they do. You think in your own mind. Uh, and the one I confess to is the singing ability. Wow, they've got such a beautiful voice. Why didn't God give me a beautiful voice? But you know what? In my heart of hearts, I thank God for our worship team that have beautiful voices that we can enjoy. You can either sit out there and be jealous because you're not like that, that you can't play the piano or play the guitar, or you can just praise God that he has raised up someone to do that, to bless you. Jealousy is a terrible thing. It comes from without and within the church. And uh, also, secondly, Christ's disciples, and that's us, are to preach the whole truth. We're not to skirt around, skate around the issues. Today, people don't like to hear that God is a God of wrath. They don't like to hear the justice of God, that he is just for punishing sin. They don't like to hear about repentance or the lordship or a bloody atonement. These are all things that people don't like to hear anymore. But we need to hear it because that's the whole truth. Oh, there's no eternal hell. When you die, you're just annihilated. Isn't that hell enough? Or whatever. No, what do the scriptures say? The, the scripture speaks to these hard doctrines. And there are some hard doctrines here. But we're not to just skate around them because we don't like them. Boy, the apostles didn't and they got in trouble for doing it. They spoke in the resurrection. These Sadducees did not believe that and wanted to punish them. All the words of God were to preach. And then when God releases us from a difficulty, it is not because he is releasing us from all difficulty. When God releases us from a difficulty, it is not because he is releasing us from all difficulty. They got out of prison to go right back into prison. Did you notice that? And the angel told him to do that. That was a directive from God through an angel. Boy, you say, well, they were delivered from prison in a supernatural way. Yeah, they were. But to go right back in prison. Why did God deliver them to be arrested and then beaten? What's God doing? 
What is he doing? I've been through this trial, this, this heartache. I've been through some physical dilemma, something that's happened in my life that I don't understand. And, oh, boy, it's gone. Thank, and then I break an arm or something else occurred. I experienced that. I had a great big tumor taken out. And this tumor, thankfully, was benign. But I was told it's probably cancerous because of where it's located and had 14 inches of my colon taken out. And then I have open-heart surgery, have a pacemaker, and I'm going, okay, God, you delivered me from that tumor, and now I have heart operation? What's going on here? Well, you know what? God was using that in my life. Why? Why? You know, my dad passed away just several years ago, and this happened all before that. And mom and dad had lots of stuff, as, all, as all of you know. But you know what? God working that through me, what did it teach me? Stuff ain't important. And so when it came to dividing up the stuff, I said my, to my brother, you take what you want. I don't care. And I was saying that from a heart that had been delivered in the hospital from stuff. Because I realized God could have taken me any, any second. And I go, wow. So now I know why I went through all those trials, all that suffering. It was because I needed to learn something. God had something uh, for me to learn. You know what? The more we learn about the ways of God, the less it should shock us. What's God doing? What's God doing? What's God, doesn't he know what he's doing? Is he asleep? And yet, David was delivered from the lion and the bear so he could have a wonderful life after that. No, sorry. He was delivered from the lion and the bear to face who? Goliath. I bet you that was a challenge. As he looked up, oh boy. And there's a lot of lessons to learn. And then not only that, but King Saul, he had to face. You know, my daughter, Sarah, went through a, a similar situation. She lost her eyesight at, at the age of six. And we could, I could tell this story, but it'd take 15 minutes, and I'm not going to do that. But, and God just graciously healed her eye, and, and she could have said, you know what? Everything in my life is just going to be great. It's just going to be a bed of roses, and God's done this for me. Is that what happened? No. Years later, her first baby died at five hours old. Held that little girl. And my heart was breaking, not for this child so much, because God had this little child. But my heart broke for my daughter. Yet my daughter had experienced a supernatural healing of her eyesight. And I can tell you that story. And believe me, she was supernaturally healed. And to face what? A trial. 
a trial. And yet, God, after that, she now has two beautiful uh, daughters. But we do not know what God has in store for us. It may be one difficulty after another. It may be a mountaintop and then a valley. Mountaintop, valley. But we've got to trust him. Why do we trust him? Because we know he loves us. So don't buy into this thinking today, the best is yet to come. In one way, that's true. We're going to be with Jesus for eternity. But you know what? The best may not be yet to come in your life. You may have another trial to go through that you will not believe. But you know what? God will be in the midst of that. And God will see you through that trial. You say, boy, pastor, is this a message that's going to really grow the church? You know, it's, is this, this is kind of negative, isn't it? seems so negative. No, it's very positive. Why? Because God's in the midst of it. You know, he's not, as dad used to say, God is not up in heaven taking maylocks hoping that everything's going to turn out okay for everybody. No, God knows exactly what he's doing. He's working in you in a positive way. Remember, this isn't heaven. This is not heaven. Uh, And then lastly, we must have a principled behavior. A principled behavior. When we're faced with a decision... It's not what will have the best results for me. What is what I want in this situation? What will make me happier in this situation? What feels right in this situation? God's ways, His commands often lead us into greater danger. It did for the apostles. They got out of one danger to go right into another. But they were principled. They obeyed. They went and took a stand and preached the gospel. And we need to do the same thing. Christ is our example of principled obedience. Remember what he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He could have called 10,000 angels and did not have to die on that cruel cross, but he did that for you and me. He laid down his life so that we might live. He had a principled obedience. The principled person says, whatever the consequences are, I'm going to obey God. The principled person says, whatever the consequences are, I'm going to obey God. 
and trust him. Why? Because he loves me. It's interesting, and I'll close with this. Pastor Stuart Latimer, who was our pastor in marriage in Indian I years ago, still alive, and he sends me messages on, uh, on our site. This one has to do with Romans 8.28. All things working to, together for good. And he gives a poem here. It's just amazing how this shows up just as I need it. He says, how many things that is that work together for good? All things of every kind. It is like the weaving of a Persian rug. We look up from underneath and we see a lot of different colored threads going in different directions and we can't understand. But God looks down from the top and sees a beautiful patterned rug. We don't understand all we go through here, but we will someday in heaven. Below is an excellent poem that portrays this. And this poem is entitled, The Pattern, The Pattern He Has Planned. And this is an unknown author. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He knows what they should be. For he can view the pattern upon the upper side, while I can see it only on this, the underside. Sometimes he weaves sorrow, which seems so strange to me. But I will trust his judgment and work on faithfully. Tis he who fills the shuttle. Now that's what you throw across the threads. He says, he who fills the shuttle, he knows just what is best. So I shall weave in earnest and leave him the rest. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the, weevil, in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. And then Stuart says, Trust the Lord. He loves you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Lord, it's so hard to go through trials. Uh, and we always ask why. But, Lord, you know the reason why. Lord, your desire is to make us pure and holy as you are. Father, help us to see that every trial and tribulation is not an accident, but you're in the midst of it all. Forgive us for complaining, for blaming for not seeing that you're in the midst of it. Lord, may we even right now in our heart of hearts just ask for forgiveness for doing that. Lord, you know each one here. Lord, you know what we think. You know what uh, our attitudes are. You know what our motives are. You know how we complain but, Lord, I pray that you would bring forgiveness, that we would ask for forgiveness right now where we are. And let's see that, Lord, you're in the midst of it all.
Help us to cast all of our cares upon you, for you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen.